Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. of listeners welcome to another episode of thinking outside the boombox my name is Ahmad and I am your host it is Wednesday June 6th have a another very exciting episode of thinking outside the boombox for you today this is your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news let's get it um very, very, um, very interesting topic this week. I'm, I'm excited um, to really discuss this with you all. Um, the normal format this week, I'm going to continue the Song of the Week sampler series. It's going to keep on rolling on. Um, we're going to get into the press play segment so I can tell you about a few things that I think you all should be aware of. And then in the Dig Deeper segment, we are going to discuss... Kanye West's eighth studio album, Yay. The controversy among that and anything and everything beyond. So um, I'm excited to get into that at the end of the episode. You all know my feelings about Kanye West um, as a whole and especially Kanye West over the past few months. So, so I'm excited to have that conversation with you all, but we'll save that for the end of the episode right now. Let's jump into the song of the week sampler series. So, um, I debuted the song of the week sampler series a couple weeks ago, essentially, um, now you're going to get two songs each week. One is a song that has been sampled. Um, in a song, and then the other is the song that sampled that song. So just to give you, you know, you know, an idea or, you know, just, you know, a feeling of just how many songs are sampled and appear in some of the songs that we all know and love that we may not have even thought about. Like we, we knew that, yeah, this is probably a sample, but never even thought to figure out where it came from or you know how it was sampled was it pitched up is this actually you know this fast in the original that type of stuff so I just wanted to highlight you know some songs that have been sampled in some of the uh, you know popular songs that we hear so this week's song of the week sampler series features a song by Bobby Glenn now I I tried very hard to find more information on Bobby Glenn, maybe I needed to look in an encyclopedia, but the internet did not have much for me. What I do know, and the most important thing, is that Bobby Glenn was an R&B singer and songwriter, and he made a song called Sounds Like a Love Song. And that is the first song of the in the sampler series this week. Trust me, when you hear it, you will recognize it. So that was uh, Sounds Like a Love Song by Bobby Glenn. 
Now, you probably recognize that sample. It's a classic in hip-hop, and it's, you know, by one of the best hip-hop artists of all time, Jay-Z. That song was sampled in Jay-Z's song called Song Cry. So, yeah, I mean, that's a classic, um, and I think that sample was used beautifully in, in the fact that it was almost a direct sample. So, Just Blaze produced Song Cry for Jay-Z, and what they did, actually, was um, they had a, a vocalist. Her name was Jaguar Wright, I want to say. Um, she's like a you know an R&B vocalist from Philly, um, and she's performed, you know, with The Roots, Jay-Z, Black Alicious, a lot of people. Um, you know, and her name wasn't in the liner notes of the album, but that song features her singing a sample of Bobby Glenn's song. Um, so that's why, you know, it, you know, it wasn't pitched up or anything. It it was her singing Bobby Glenn's song for the, the record. I'm sure probably to you know, something to do with clearances and sample. I mean, even though it still had to be cleared, I'm sure, you know, there was just, it was probably easier that way or something like that. But anyway, Song Cry was a pretty popular song for Jay-Z, nominated for a Grammy, even though it lost to Hot in Here by Nelly. Um, but it's one of my favorite songs from Jay-Z. Um, I like when Jay-Z gets, you know, introspective and personal in his tracks. And that is definitely the epitome of one of those songs. When you think about those type of songs from Jay-Z, Song Cry is one of the first ones to appear. So, um, yeah, so shout out to Bobby Glenn, even though I couldn't find much information on him. But, you know, his song is dope. I would I would press you to listen to Bobby Glenn's song, uh, Sounds Like a Love Song, because, you know, it was a pretty dope soul song back in the day, like the 80s, I think, is when it came out, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so that was the Song of the Week sampler series for this week. Sounds Like a Love Song by Bobby Glenn, sampled in Song Cry by Jay-Z. Shout out to Just Blaze. So now, without further ado, let's jump right into the press play segment. Welcome to the Press Play segment. As you know, it is separated into three parts. The things that you should check out. That's where I keep you hit to, you know, new songs, new music videos, new performances that you should check out. The rumor mill and the announcements. That's where I dig into, you know, some of the the rumors, album releases, announcements that artists have made of upcoming things, things like that. And then the upcoming and recently released albums. That is where I you know, make sure you're informed of albums that just came out or will be released within the next month um, that you should definitely, you know, keep on your list. So let's jump right into the things that you should check out. And first on that list for this week is Travis Scott. So Governor's Ball was, um, I believe, last weekend, and that's a festival that takes place. And I want to say it takes place in New York. Um, and Travis Scott did a set. And the entire set, his entire set is available in a great YouTube video. Um, I don't know who got it, but I was able, everybody is able to watch his entire set. And honestly, it's a great thing. Even if you're at work and you just, you know, just want to hear a lot of Travis Scott songs back to back, you don't really need to see it. He's just jumping around and doing crazy stuff. But it was a very energetic set. And it was nice to hear a lot of his songs back to back like that across all of his projects. Um, and his, his, his shows are lit, like from everything I've seen and heard about Travis Scott shows, it's energetic and it's, it's a turn up for real. So, uh, make sure you check out his governor's ball set. Um, he also performed, um, you know, his latest single, um, and you know, he's got his World album coming out this year, hopefully. So look out for that. Um, everything I talk about in this segment can be found in the Thinking Outside the Boombox newsletter. You can get that by going to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Put your email in there on the right, and you'll get it sent to your inbox every week um, when the podcast releases. Or you can just go to the newsletter tab on that page, and all the newsletters are there. 
Um, NPR, as you know, does this thing called Tiny Desk where they bring an artist into the NPR offices to perform an intimate set for the people that work there. So they do like maybe three or four songs for them. And it's a pretty cool, you know, personal performance for all the people that work there. And they put the, they put the performances out. So Daniel Caesar just did one, um, that was really dope. He performed Japanese denim. Um, he performed... Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Get You. <laughs> Sorry. He performed Get You. And then he brought out her um, to perform their duet, Best Part. So that was pretty dope. So definitely check out Daniel Caesar's Tiny Desk performance. And speaking of her, um, on the Superfly soundtrack um, that's coming out this week, uh, Khaled and her have a duet called This Way. And it's it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. Um Callum must have a thing with songs with the word way in them because, you know, this is the second one this year. Um, but it's a dope song. It's some some real R&B. Um, they harmonize really well. Um, it'd be interesting to see more music from the two of them, but definitely check that song out. Um, I mentioned last week that the internet dropped off a new single called Come Over. Um very you know soulful you know a little funky um and they just dropped off the music video for it and it is it is amazing it's sid directed it and i'm not sure if this is her directorial debut but it might be but she directed it and it is a pretty great video the colors that are evident in it, the color schemes and how that was highlighted, you know, in the video is pretty great. Like there was some serious thought put into that part of the video and, you know, matching outfits for different people that are on the screen. It's dope. You definitely want to check that out. Um, and then ASAP, who dropped his testing project, uh, was that last week? Yeah, last week. No, two weeks ago. Um... Uh, he dropped off the video for his song Praise the Lord that features Skepta. That video is tight as well. It kind of features, you know, ASAP and Skepta kind of split screen representing New York, one representing London. And that's one of the standout tracks from that project. So you definitely want to check that out as well. Let's jump into the rumor mill and the announcements for this week. Um, number one, Kendrick was presented with his Pulitzer uh, Prize uh, this past week. Um, they announced that he won it, but he actually, you know, got the award this week. So just another shout out to Kendrick. Apparently the sales um, for his album, Damn, have increased like over 200% following the announcement. And like digital song sales were up like 11,000 um, the week after the week that it was announced. So that's that's just wild. It's, he's, he's seeing some serious, um, you know, demand for his music after hearing that he won a Pulitzer. And I mean, the man really deserves it. Like, that's just facts. So, so shout out to Kendrick um, on getting his Pulitzer Prize this week. Next up, uh, Coachella announced that the early advance tickets um for the festival the 2019 festival are on sale so those went on sale on friday um so those will probably be the cheapest that the tickets will be so you definitely want to go to the coachella website um to see if those tickets are still available and keep your eyes out and you know i'll keep you informed when i guess the next tier of tickets go available because you know they're gonna go fast um coachella is going to be april 12th through the 14th and the 19th through the 21st um, this is America, Donald Glover's song, Childish Gambino song, whatever you want to call him, um, went platinum. So just a shout out to him for, for that. Cause I have to imagine that has to be his first platinum song. It has to be. I don't think he was getting, he was getting visibility like that when he was putting out like camp and because of the internet, um, uh, maybe a little bit because of the internet, but I, I don't know if one of those songs would have gone platinum. I'll, I'll check in on that, but I think this is his first platinum song. So shout out to him. Um, as you know, that, that Superfly movie, the remake of the one that, um, Curtis Mayfield, you know, that one, um, the soundtrack is coming out this week and they released the track list futures doing the whole soundtrack, which still a little weird that it was Curtis Mayfield for the old one. And this one is future, but you know what? Whatever, you know um but as far as the features on it 21 Savage is on it party next doors on it young thugs on it a lot um that song with Khaled and her is on it Miguel's got a song on there um Sleepy Brown's got a song on there Lil Wayne is featured 
So, you know, it it could have some decent songs. So, you know, definitely look out for that to drop uh, on Friday. Um, next up, Chloe and Halle, the two women that are an artist that are signed to uh, Beyonce's Parkwood Entertainment label. Um, they have been announced to be openers for the North American leg of the On The Run 2 tour. So them, as well as DJ Khaled, who also opened for the Formation tour, um, will be opening. So you can look forward to them as your openers if you have tickets. Um, And a little bit more sad news, Earl Sweatshirt had to uh, cancel a few European tour dates um, because... Apparently, he is battling anxiety and depression, so he lost his father, like, in January, and so he's still reeling from that loss, and so he canceled a bunch of dates because he's, you know, suffering from that, so prayers up to Earl Sweatshirt. I hope he, you know, gets better. Um, You know, mental health is important, so I hope he's getting the help that he needs. Um, Kids See Ghosts, that is the name of Kanye and Kid Cudi's you know, collaborative group, as well as the album they're dropping this Friday. And they revealed the cover art for it, which was designed by Takashi Murakami. Um, He's an iconic Japanese artist. Um, Pretty sure he did the the cover for Graduation by Kanye. So, you know, they've got a history. And so they, they linked up with him and he did... Um, the cover for this as well, and it's it's a pretty cool cover, and it's definitely in his wheelhouse, so you'll want to check that out as well. And then finally in the announcements, Kanye announced some sort of events that are happening, like, today. So if you're in Chicago or Miami, this event is happening today, June 6th. If you're in Brooklyn, this event is happening on tomorrow, June 7th, or if you're listening to this on Thursday, today. <laughs> so, um... Who knows what it is? It could be listening parties for the album um, that Kanye dropped last week. It could be for the Kanye Cuddy collab album that's coming this week. Not sure, but um, essentially uh, this is going to be some sort of events in Chicago, Brooklyn, Miami uh, with some of the Kanye albums. So what... Um, was reported was that Kanye wants people to experience the album the same way the 400 people in Wyoming did. So this kind of makes it seem like it's the it's the one from last week. He says, open air around a fire with stadium quality sound. That's what Project Wyoming is about. That's what it's called. Stripping down to the basics and enjoying nature in good company. Uh, there are also merch. These are merch pop-up bonfires. So who knows what that means? I'm not going to this stuff, but... Um, if you hear this in time to, you know, go do that, then, you know, go do that. Um, upcoming recently released albums, Black Thought and Ninth Wonder dropped off an EP, Streams of Thought, Volume 1, last week, and it is fire. It's only five songs, but it is five amazing songs. Black Thought is one of the top MCs in the game, period. That's just facts. And Ninth Wonder is one of the best producers in the game, so together, who's gonna stop them? Um, uh, Rhapsody is on one of the songs, uh... Uh, what's his name? Styles P's on one of the songs. It's there's some dope hip hop on there, so definitely check that out. Um, Kanye West dropped off his album Yay last week. We'll talk more about that. Um, Kids See Ghosts, the Kanye and Cuddy project, drops off this Friday. Georgia Smith's debut album Lost and Found drops off this Friday as well. Next Friday on the 15th, J-Rock is dropping off Redemption. Nas is reportedly dropping off his next album. It's untitled. R plus R equals now. Robert Glasper's band are dropping off their project, Collogically Speaking. And then on the 22nd, Tiana Taylor is dropping off... um, her album, which is also currently untitled. So look out for all of that. So after we take a short break, I will be right back with the Dig Deeper segment. Right, it's time for the Dig Deeper segment. And before before we get into the main topic for this week's episode, I want to give you an update 
on the Where's the Beef segment um, that we discussed in last week's episode. So that was Pusha T and Drake. So let's get into a very short Where's the Beef. Hey, where's the beef? Where's the beef indeed? Um, So there have been a few updates. None of them have been musically, but there have been updates. So just to give you a refresher... Long history between Pusha and Cash Money. Drake gets involved on Pusha's last album, Daytona. He sent shots at Drake. Drake sent a pretty great diss track at Pusha T, Duppy Freestyle. And then Pusha T came right back with Story of Adidon, um, uh, which came at Drake pretty hard. So, updates. First, um, Drake addressed the whole blackface issue. So, you know, the cover of the song was, you know, him wearing blackface. So Drake put out like an Instagram press release about that. I'm just going to read what it says. It says, I know everyone is enjoying the circus, but I want to clarify this image in question. This was not from a clothing brand shoot or my music career. This picture is from t- 2007, a time in my life where... I was an actor and I was working on a project that was about young black actors struggling to get roles, being stereotyped and typecast. The photos represented how African-Americans were once wrongfully portrayed in entertainment. Me and my best friend at the time, Mazin Elsadig, who was also an actor from Sudan, were attempting to use our voice to bring awareness to the issues we dealt with all the time as black actors at auditions. This was to highlight and raise our frustrations with not always getting a fair chance in the industry and to make a point that the struggle for black actors had not changed much. So that was that, um, you know, sure, um, whatever, I didn't, I didn't really care that much about the blackface thing, um, but I mean, Drake, his first response being this press release does not look good for the beef, like, we need something on wax, um, but I get it, like, his brand comes first, and this was probably something that may have interrupted, you know, with his brand, so he had to address it in that way, I get that. Pusha T then responded, I think he tweeted and was like, okay, to this response, but you're silent on all black issues, which is like, oh, oh, well, excuse me. Like, okay. Um, he has a point there. Like, you know, Drake is kind of silent on on the issues that plague the black society. But at the same time, Pusha, you're running right now with and behind Kanye West, who has, mm, he has become one of the issues for the black community. And you have been very silent about that. So you know, that's just me, whatever. We'll just brush that to the side. Um, then the updates were that Drake was planning to deal with the situation um, on wax. So we were waiting for a, we were waiting for something. Pusha T was on his press tour for his album and his disc, just basically, you know, saying that he won the, 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 the beef. You know, he said at one point that he's never going to believe that Drake writes his rhymes. That's just not something he's going to believe at this point. Um, Pusha T tweeted that, uh, he tweeted, you got a hundred thousand floating around for info. Can't no amount of money create skeletons that don't exist. Hashtag I'm upset. Um, insinuating that Drake, you know, had uh, money um, floating out there for anyone who could dig up some dirt on Pusha. So that's that's interesting, Um, making making Drake look real desperate. Um, Information came out that Drake actually had reportedly met with his son multiple times, and I think he was planning on, you know, revealing his son on his album and stuff like that. So that kind of, you know... um, who knows where all this information... I think that information said it came from the kid's mom, so who knows. Um, James Fauntleroy got on Twitter. Um, I, don't, I don't know what specifically set him off, but here are a string of tweets from James Fauntleroy. He said... Oh, and James Fauntleroy is an R&B artist, uh, a very popular songwriter. He's written a lot of songs for a lot of people um he's awesome and his music is awesome as well not just the ones he writes for other people his actual music is dope too um here were his tweets he said i know too much he said pusha t was a drug dealer now he's a snitch y'all just want the gossip so you can get that hourly self-esteem boost fix i'm not judging you i get it but almost all these niggas snitching on themselves each other just a whole bunch of tattletelling Somebody tweeted at him, so are you completely anti-rap beef? He said, I love rap, um, so I'm more interested in the actual skill of rapping, not just Wendy Williams that rhymes. 
Uh, somebody replied, imagine calling Pusha T Wendy Williams. Never seen such disrespect of a top MC. What the hell did good music do to you? Genuine question. I heard you weren't paid for click. Is that it? How can you defend a guy who not only ghostwrites, but shielded his kid from the world? <sighs> Twitter niggas. Um, James Fauleroy said, you don't know him just like you don't know me and I don't know you. We are not obligated to share any personal information with each other. I was paid and top MC my ass. One hit wonder at best. Talking about pushing T. I thought y'all wanted the facts. Y'all niggas too sensitive to be defending people. Then he said, before I go, 40 is an amazing human being and the niggas y'all defending do bad business, treat people like shit in real life and not even rapping well since y'all love snitching so much. What y'all don't care about or know is 40 is an actual person, a rare genuine person in a business almost completely full of the opposite, including and especially these bitch ass promotion ho ass niggas. Kanye literally has had the most ghost creators in music history, by the way. Kanye got ghost writers, ghost stylists, ghost producers, ghost everything no wonder these niggas see ghosts they got them everywhere wow james follower went off and i don't even know where it's coming from like like why like why are you so upset like hashtag he's upset like for real so i mean i'm sure nothing will come of that but i just thought it was interesting that james follower jumped in like that um more news came out that drake wrote the hook for kanye's song yikes the second song off of his latest album uh, weirdly enough, Drake's uh, his writing credit is not on the album. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, Kanye got on Twitter and declared that the beef was dead. He said, I've never been about beef. I'm about love. Lines are crossed and it's not good for anyone. So this is dead now. Very interesting. Then Jay Prince happened. And this is where I guess the beef is going to end. Jay Prince, if you don't know him, he's the dad of Jazz Prince. Jazz Prince is credited with finding Drake. Like, he's the one that discovered Drake on, like, MySpace and introduced him to Lil Wayne. Cool. Um, Jay, so I think Jay Prince is still pretty involved with Drake's, Drake's career, kind of behind the scenes. I don't know how much. He's also the CEO of Rap-A-Lot Records. Also on the side, he's the manager to Andre Ward, the boxer, and formerly was the manager to Floyd Mayweather, like, the boxing manager. Um, but yeah, CEO of Rap-A-Lot Records, Rap-A-Lot Records housed the Ghetto Boys and it really helped to put Southern hip hop on the map. Um, he's also someone who claims to have, uh, well, so let me start. So Jay Prince, apparently he's been, he, there's so much with him. So he has a book coming out. First off, Drake has written the foreword for that book. So they're obviously pretty close. So I'm guessing he's doing the press tour for his book, but it just seems like a weird time for that to coincide with this, but I, I really don't know. So Jay Prince said that Kanye called him, called Jay Prince to get him to end this beef. I mean, and that kind of fits with like he Kanye said that the beef had gone too far and he didn't want none of that. And that fits with what Kanye just tweeted, what I just read. So Jay Prince said that he called Drake and told him not to respond to Pusha T. He said, I don't want you to respond to this. We're going to put this to bed. We're going to put this to bed because we can't get into the pig pen with pigs. Because pigs turn into hogs and hogs get slaughtered. He claims that Drake had a career-ending song for Pusha and Kanye. Like, he said that it would have been over for them. He said that he made Drake promise not to release it. He said, after speaking with Kanye, I spoke with the brother and he didn't want this. Uh, I saw this going to a place that I feel would have ended his career like Kanye and Pusha. If Drake would have put out this song that he had on him, it definitely would have hurt families and we're not in it for that. That's not Drake's character to tear a man down to that extent. Oh, no doubt about it. The ingredients in the song were overwhelming. I know for a fact that it would have been bad for Kanye and my man Pusha T. Um... I felt it wouldn't have been good. It's beyond music at that point. It's going to affect the livelihood. It's going to interfere with his entire lifestyle from that day forward. So he made Drake promise not to release it. Now, now apparently, uh, Jay Prince claims um, that, you know, he, he tried to warn Biggie, Biggie Smalls, to leave L.A., before Biggie was murdered. So, you know, word, and this is in his book, so word in the street is that Jay Prince is, like, highly respected, you know, in the streets, in the game, and if he tells you to dead something, then you dead it. 
And he, you know, he claimed that this beef could have gotten to the levels of Biggie and Tupac. So, you know, what do I know? Jay Prince is clearly, you know, he knows more than me. But, okay, sure. Let's, whatever. But at the same time, this is going to hurt Drake. And it is hurting Drake and it has hurt Drake. Like, we needed that 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 response. We needed that. Like, I don't care whose career was going to end. In Pusha T's career, we don't. He's good. We we've had we've had enough. Like <laughs> Daytona is amazing, but I mean, if he never put out an album, would I be upset? No. Like in his career, in Kanye's career, we'll talk more about that later. But I think we're fine. Like I really do. Like he, Jay Prince made this decision on behalf of hip hop, and we didn't say that we wanted that. We didn't. Like the culture, we didn't say that we we wanted that to end. Let us make the decision. We we needed that, and Drake's career needed that. Look, his credibility is taking a hit. Not the ghostwriting stuff. Like just you know, like he he likes to talk tough on wax. And like you know, while we may not you know believe that Drake is like a super tough guy, like you know his music. Like we enjoy that tough guy music. Like like everybody does. Like it's fun to rap and it's fun to listen to, but. He dropped Scorpion and 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 he sneaked dissing people. Like, how are we gonna take it? Like, you just lost this rap beef in terrible fashion. If it's if it's truly over and you got no response coming in the in the form of an actual song, then it's over. You lost. You got washed as as badly as Meek Mill did. So, what are we supposed to do as Drake fans? Like, sure. As far as like his money, he's fine. He's going to drop some hit songs on Scorpion. We know that. And we're going to turn up to him and we're going to like him. But in the back of our minds, in the back of our minds, we will never forget this beef. We will move on from this beef. We will let Drake have his hits. We will enjoy his music because Drake is still a great musician. But, you know, as much as all of the, the artists in hip-hop that think that Drake doesn't write his music and how that he can't be top five if he uses ghostwriters. And I agree with that, but you know, how how can we anybody prove that? But as as much as that, like we're always gonna be like there's a there's an asterisk, there's a there's a strike on your record because you back down from this push of T beef. And I don't care who who told you not to release it. If you if you if you had a Something that could be career ending. That sounds like it's as good a story of Adidon. I want to hear it, but apparently it's never gonna it's never gonna come to light. So I'm I'm upset. I'm hashtag I'm upset about that because this beef is over now and Drake took a huge L, like like devastating L. So it sucks because I I think Drake could have came back with something and. If this song is actually real, nobody knows. We'll we'll never hear it. So this L, like, it's really looking funny in the light now. And now, like, all the lyrics that Drake's gonna come with if he plans on sneak this, like, he might have had to rewrite the album at this point. If you're not gonna drop that response, we don't want to hear no, we don't want to hear no none of that tough guy stuff that wasn't backed up in this beef. And that's really unfortunate. I mean, I'll I'll listen to it, you know, get my life to it, but. It's not going to feel the same. You feel me? So that's that's where we are with this beef. I don't know if I'll have any more updates for you because apparently it's dead. So, you know, Pusha T won in a convincing fashion. And it's sad. It really is sad. So that is the end of the Where's the Beef portion, the update to the Pusha T and Drake beef. So now let's talk about Kanye. Um, Kanye releases eighth studio album. Um, it was aptly called just Yay Y E. So um, let's let's talk about the album. So let's first get into into the conflict. So we all know what Kanye's been doing in the news, and you know I really struggled, you know, with this, with even listening to this album. I didn't want to listen to this album because I felt that Kanye had betrayed me. And betrayed his fans and never really apologized for that disease or not um had no regard for his true fans but at the same time Kanye's music as a whole has never really failed me sure a song or two or a few but in the end I was always satisfied with his album so I was curious whether you know this would do the same thing whether this would be a first disappointment and you know it, it was it was very hard and you know my homie Joe a uh, friend of the pod 
frequent guest of the pod, he broke it down in a pretty succinct metaphor. <laughs> he said that Kanye is basically like wrestling, like the WWE. We watched it. We loved it. We were all about it. Then we, we realized that it was fake. It's all entertainment. It's not as real as we thought. But, you know, we still enjoy watching it. But we realize that it's not real. We enjoy it for other reasons than, you know, thinking that it was something that was so real. Maybe Kanye is worth nothing but the music that he creates. We thought he was about something realer than the music, but he's not. So shout out to Joe. I thought that was a really good metaphor. Um, so I decided to listen to Ye, um, mainly because other than the Pusha and Drake stuff, nothing really happened this week. I wanted to address this and I didn't want to take a week off um, from the podcast. Also, I wanted to see if the music was actually worth any of this, all of this. I, I just wanted wanted to hear for myself. So um, overall themes of this album, let's talk about this. So one thing that I think is important to note first is that Kanye stated that he rewrote this album after the TMZ thing. If you want to know what the TMZ thing is, it's when Kanye said that slavery was a choice. So that's the TMZ thing. He said he rewrote his album after that. So that means that this album was made in about a month's time. Um, as far as the title, Kanye said, I believe, <laughs> I believe yay is the most commonly used word in the Bible. And in the Bible, it means you. So that's actually ye, like hear ye, hear ye. Ha <laughs> ha, title, title. Um, he said, so I'm you, I'm us, it's us. It went from Kanye, which means the only one, to just yay, just being a reflection of our good, our bad, our confused, everything. The album is more of a reflection of who we are. Now, whatever. It seems like you just wanted to name it yay, and then this was kind of, you like, you like back wrote all of this. But he addresses a lot on this album in just 23 minutes. But, you know, what I found about the overall themes of this album was that it's very conflicting. Like, some of it is problematic, but, you know, it also has beautiful moments as well. And, I mean, that pretty much represents Kanye. Um, for instance, in the song Closer, which is called Violent Crimes, it's a beautiful-sounding song that's kind of like a New Day Part 2 from Watch the Throne, um, he discusses his fears of having a daughter in this climate with all the perverts and men in the world and basically how he doesn't want his daughter to grow up around all this evil. But then a few of the lines, um, he says, niggas is savage, niggas is monsters, niggas is pimps, niggas is players till niggas have daughters. Now they precautious. Father, forgive me. I'm scared of the karma because now I see women as something to nurture, not something to conquer. I mean, you're just now seeing women as something to nurture and not something to conquer? Just now? Isn't he like 42 or something? Like, ju just now? You're just now seeing that? Like, I get it. I get it. He's acknowledging that he was one of them niggas who didn't care about women. And so now he's worried about his daughter growing up in this same environment, that same society. But at the same time, the song is just problematic. He says, don't wear yoga pants or do Pilates. I hope you're shaped more like me than your mom. Like, come on, bro. Like, these are all statements that hurt his point way more than support him. And I'm sure this had good intentions in Kanye's head, but it just didn't come out the best way at all. Like, that's pretty misogynistic, man. In a song where you're trying to speak against that. Like, and I mean, that's pretty much Kanye at this point. You know, sounds good in his head, but delivers it terribly. And all this coming from the dude who proclaimed Bill Cosby innocent, like, however many years or so ago that was. Like, and this is the song you wanted to make? You think we forgot about that? The biggest thing that he announces on this album is that he's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And in the, you know, it's on the cover of the album, it says, I'm bipolar, or I hate being bipolar, it's awesome, or something like that. And in the first song, which is called, I, th uh, what is it called? I think it's called I Think About Killing You or I Thought About Killing You. I Thought About Killing You. Um, he's uh, He talks about how he contemplated suicide, plays off of the bipolar disorder to talk about the two sides of himself. Um, in the song Yikes, he calls his disorder not a disability but a superpower and claims that he's a superhero. 
And now the former part of that, the suicidal note, is a pretty dark way to start an album. And who knows if he's joking? I mean, if he is, that's even worse. But, you know, that it's a dark way to start the album. And, you know, especially over the beat that was there that had, you know, some pretty soulful Francis in the Lights vocals going. It was it was odd. Um, he discusses the slavery as a choice line, which no matter which way you spin it was abhorrent. Um you know, and he backed he backtracked it on Twitter saying that, of course, I know like this was like back when he said it, not recently. He said, of course, I know that, you know, they weren't slaves weren't put on the ships and put into slavery um, by free will. He said that he was saying that that they chose to stay there because that was just. It was it was the the mental enslavement that they had. That's what he was saying. Which either way, like that's just stupid. Like that's just dumb. Like there's no way you can spin that. It's stupid. And he seems to acknowledge in in the album that that was wild. But at no point does he really walk it back. He talks about how this situation affected his marriage on the song "Wouldn't Leave." Um, where, you know, he talks about how Kim got mad because basically, you know, him doing all this stuff was going to mess up the brand. It was going to mess the money up and how the whole song is about how, you know, after all that, she wouldn't leave him. And so he tries to relate this song to like, he literally has like an outro where he's just talking like any dude, you know, that messed up and, you know, done something stupid that your girl said you were going to do. Um, and your girl stuck with him. Like, shout out to that girl. Like, he's trying to make this song relatable when, bruh, it's not the same thing. You saying, going on TMZ and saying slavery was a choice. Um, and then Kim, like, threatening to leave but or, like, thinking about leaving but not leaving is not the same as some dude, like, you know, liking a bunch of girls' pictures on Instagram and his girl finding out about it. They're not the same thing, man. They just They just aren't. Um, on the song No Mistakes, he has an amazing hook with Kid Cudi and Charlie Wilson, but most of the verse is Kanye talking to and about Drake. It just didn't really fit. Like it like there's so there's so many conflicting ideas on the album that like that bounce against each other. It's honestly like it's honestly like listening like lyrically, it's like listening to Kanye's Twitter. It's like going through his Twitter feed, like that's this album. So so that was more of the overall themes of the album. Lyrically, you know, Kanye's flow is decent on the album. He tries out a few new things, but the songs and the lyrics are about as sparse as they were on The Life of Pablo and Yeezus. Now, production-wise, the production is the best thing about the album, in my opinion. Like, none of it is, like, game-changing or super influential or, like, you know, foreshadowing, like, Yeezus, 808s and Heartbreak, stuff like that. He pulled from the tools and styles of production that he's used in past albums. Um, for instance, the first half of the I Thought About Killing You beat, uh, it might be one of my favorite beats from the album. Um, and that's when Francis um, from Francis and the Lights has his vocals going. Um, and then the beat switches up to something that I've never really heard from Kanye. It's like a darker beat that sounds like ASAP Rocky. The production of the hook of Yikes sounds exactly like FML from The Life of Pablo. The crowd sounds that come in after every line on All Mine takes an average production up to a whole different level. The beat on No Mistakes has a jovial vibe to it that we haven't really heard since graduation. And maybe that's the layering of Charlie Wilson and Kid Cudi's voices, but the piano keys really invoke a happy emotion. The guitar on Ghost Town takes me back to my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. But then the gravity of the song kind of reminds me of the stadium-level music Kanye crafted on graduation. The production of Violent Crimes sounds like one of those songs from Watch the Throne, like Why I Love You. Um, mixed with the youthful sounds and style that Chance the Rapper employs. You know, it's led by a lot of synths and pianos. So the production is top-notch. It really is. Um, he came through with that. Then the arrangements and the features of the album. The vocal arrangements on the album are pretty beautiful. Ty Dolla Sign is present for most of them. Um, 
And they just add so much to songs that would be pretty lost without them. Francis and the Lights, his vocals to start the album, like I mentioned, are pretty beautiful and are part of the main reason that beat is so enjoyable. Charlie Wilson, Kid Cudi, Jeremiah, they deliver some pretty solid vocals to the album. Party Next Door is a known amazing songwriter and he added some pretty critical vocals to Wouldn't Leave and Ghost Town. And then there's 070 Shake, who was the MVP feature of this album. She's a new good music signee from New Jersey. And her outro on Ghost Town, it made that song the best song of the album easily. And then she also added, you know, a great hook and some incredible energy to the last song, Violent Crimes, where he was talking about North and all of that. And, you know, all of the features just really came together to make the music more beautiful than I think the lyrics deserved. So... My overall impression of the album. So I'm glad that the album was not the alt-right mess that I thought we might get, especially after that Lift Yourself, Scoop It A Whoop joint and that T.I. joint. But it's not necessarily the redeeming album that I hoped for either. It feels like an album that he made in the last month. It's soulless. And, you know, that's saying something considering how much soul is evident in Kanye's past albums. You know, there aren't even that many soul samples. There are samples, sure, but, you know, not as many that was as were prevalent. I mean, sure, it's only seven songs, but at the same time, you know, some of the music is beautiful, but it's just not the same. All that mess leading up to the album, and he kind of just, Kanye shrugged his way through it on the album. He almost sounds like he's proud of all the mess that he made. You know, he does a lot of acknowledging on the album and not a lot of explaining. Which, yeah, that's that's not going to cut it for me. You know, he just gave us enough to remind us of his brilliance to keep us at bay. But that's that's not going to cut it. You know, we've been successful at separating Kanye's music from his persona for a while. But let's be real. Those two things really started to intersect on my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But we were okay with it because it was my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, like one of his top three albums. Uh, now it's certainly a problem. This is his most personal album, easily, but when that person has become such a problem, it affects the music that you hear. The album is dark, but it's very melodic. The production and the song arrangements are carrying the heavy weight of the album. You know, the best song on the album, Ghost Town, is that because of contributions from everyone but Kanye. His contributions to that song are forgettable. When you think about Ghost Town, you think about what uh, 070070 Shake added to it. You think about, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Cuddy and Charlie Wilson, if that's the correct song. Um, from Kanye's standpoint, like from what he added to it, um, lyrically, I mean, the album was average with just some splashes of brilliance and the creative touch that we all came to know and love. Like when I finished this album, I immediately went and listened to Graduation, Late Registration, Watch the Throne. Like the Kanye who spoke on real things is officially gone and we're left with the rapper who revels in lines like, I, I like your titties because it proves I can focus on two things at once. Like, <sighs> big sigh. Um, as far as where this album ranks amongst his others, I feel like this album, The Life of Pablo and Yeezus are all kind of revolving around each other at the end of his, of his discography ranking wise. But when that revolving stops, I feel like this is his worst album. And, you know, personally, I think if I could continue to get albums that Kanye produced, he handled all the arrangements all of that but didn't rap like just albums that he was the executive producer for had his hand in but I don't need to hear him speak I would love that you know I enjoyed Daytona and I look forward to how Kanye handles his Cuddy collab Nas's album Tiana Taylor's albums but I don't think I need to hear Kanye rap anymore this century like keep being creative producing other people's albums because that he's clearly good at that like you can never take away Kanye's ear for what a good song sounds like for like musically and for like producing music but I don't want to hear him speak anymore in public on wax I'm done with that I really am I will I will listen to his old music because nothing can take away that nothing can take that away from me but from here on out, like, I don't need to hear Kanye on a song ever again. I, I think I'm fine with what I've got. 
Um, nothing he said on this album enhanced my life in any way, but there were some impressive things musically. I'm a jaded Kanye fan at this point. You know, I never let go of what he gave us in the past, but we had a good run. And, you know, shout out to Jesus and Mero, but it's always your faves that are problematic. It really is. Um, so, you know, that's that's how I feel about Ye. Like, great great vocal arrangements the the way the album was put together is great um you know it being 23 minutes allows you to listen to it multiple times and you know you notice different things but lyrically it's light years away from anything we've gotten from yay before it doesn't have you know soul to it the brilliant parts of it aren't enough to redeem it i I, I need Kanye to just take a role as an executive producer from now on. I'm 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 done with Kanye the rapper. I really am. So that is it for the the dig deeper segment for this week. I thank you all for listening. Um, shout out to you all, um, the faithful listeners. Um, Cuddy's uh, collab album with Ye drops uh, this Friday, as well as Georgia Smith's debut. Um, so most likely I'll be touching on both of those projects next week. So thank you all for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, big the podcast up. Tell pe- tell your friends about it. Um, this has been Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source of hip-hop and R&B news. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.